Well, amen. Let's thank God for Love Wake. Yes, yes. Man, what an incredible day uh, we had yesterday at Love Wake. And I want to thank everyone who was a part of that, um, involved in, in supporting the, the day and making it happen. Uh, really grateful for Pastor Drew and his team. I think of Miss Amy who worked uh, so hard to organize everything and just really, really grateful uh, for each of them. Uh, you know, we believe in an Acts 1-8 missions model where we want to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria and ends of the earth. And so we had a chance yesterday to really pour into reaching our Jerusalem in, uh, in Wake County. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, we also will have several opportunities this summer uh, to reach our Judea and Samaria. I think about reaching those within the state of North Carolina. Uh, there's lots of ongoing opportunities there that we're a part of. But we also will uh, do some things throughout our nation. So we have a couple of trips planned this summer, one in Nashville. Uh, one in Cleveland, uh, both in Tennessee. So excited about uh, those trips. We'll also go to the ends of the earth. And so as we look at Acts 1-8, uh, we see that as an important uh, component as well. And so we have a, a team that's going to Hungary, and we also have a team going to Mexico City. Uh, excited about all of those trips. You can be in prayer uh, for all of those. But uh, for yesterday with Love Wake, just wanted to take a moment as we began our time together today to thank God for yesterday and to pray um, for all of the partners that we partner with that God would give us opportunity as we continue to move forward to do so and uh, just to pray, pray for them specifically in their areas of need and areas of ministry uh, that God would bless them and be with them. So if you bow with me in prayer, uh, let's pray before we dive into the book of Romans this morning. <clears throat> God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and Lord, to sing praises unto you, to open your word. Uh, God, I do pray for um, each partnership that we had yesterday. And God, the on ongoing partnerships that we have within our missional community, I'm grateful uh, for Pastor Tr Drew and his leadership there, his entire team. Just really uh, grateful to see how, uh, how eager they are to mobilize us uh, as a church to be a part of reaching our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. Uh, God, we pray for each of these partnerships. God, we ask that you will, Lord, help um, each one to thrive and to grow. And where there are needs, God, help those needs to be met. And Lord, as we seek to fulfill the mission that you've given us in your word to love you and to love people and to, to, to serve the world through making disciples, um, God, I pray that we'll do that faithfully. And uh, God, I pray you'll give those rest. I know there are many who worked tirelessly uh, yesterday. Just give them rest. Uh, recoup the energy that was expended and I uh, pray that they have a great week moving forward. Uh, God be with us as we open uh, your word to Romans 5. Speak to our hearts in a manner in which only you can and God may we be sharpened by you stirred by you and changed by you. And we pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people said amen and amen. So grab your Bibles, Romans chapter 5 we're going to talk about standing in grace today standing in in grace. As you're turning there, I just want to make mention of life being full of emotions. Uh, you probably don't need me to tell you that, but life is truly full of emotions. Here's an example. This is a bit of a confessional, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you uh, about it anyway. So a couple of days ago, maybe it was a week or so ago, I can't remember, um, I turned on a television show called Farmer Wants a Wife. Now, I don't typically watch those kinds of shows, but um, with my injury, I found myself watching a little bit more TV, and this one intrigued me. I wanted to see their farms, truly. I was like, I don't care about the wife part. Like, I, I want to see, like, 
your farm. And they had some really beautiful farms on there. I thought it was cool. But then it started piquing my interest, so I stayed tuned. And um, I watched how they were kind of navigating you know, this pool of, of, of ladies that had came, and they're just kind of like maybe the bachelor concept. I'm not sure what's happening. Uh, but something happened to where one of the ladies was dismissed because of her being overly emotional. Now, right or wrong, fair or not fair, um, it created a big stir within the show. So I went and I told my wife because she was not watching the show. She was doing something far more productive than doing that. And, uh, and I went to her and I said, hey, check this out. This lady got, you know, she kind of got asked to leave because the farmer thought she was too emotional and it was just kind of crazy. And she said, well, Zeb, I'm emotional. I was like, okay. Like, I was just trying to tell you about the show. And she's like, I'm probably, she said this, she said, I'm probably going to be emotional for the rest of my life. I was like, okay, okay. Like, I, I don't see you as overly emotional, but I get it. And then she turns and looks at me and she says, but you are messy, right? So anyway, I don't know why the conversation went the way it did, but her and I laughed so hard about it. Uh, we were driving somewhere and we, we just got a, we got a big kick out of that. But I was thinking about this text because I'd read something about, our emotions and whether you're male or female it doesn't matter we all have emotions uh, sometimes ladies are far better at expressing their emotions um, and can be called emotional because of that but it really is healthy that they express their emotions whereas we as men have a tendency just by nature to hold we feel to be stronger by doing so but in reality there's an implosion coming and it's this whole thing but regardless of like who you are you have emotions and we have felt the full gamut of emotions throughout life. Welcome to humanity. You feel, for example, happiness. You feel sadness. You feel excitement. Uh, you feel when you're scared. You feel when you're worried. We, we feel all kinds of emotions. But I read one commentator as I was studying Romans chapter 5 in particular. I read one commentator who said, and, and I'm sure that this is subjective, but hear his point. He said, the very best human emotion that can be felt is the emotion of relief. I thought, that's interesting. And so I read a little bit further to see what he was talking about. And he said, you know, whenever there's a crisis in life and you feel the weight of that crisis, you feel the danger that is imminent. Whenever that danger or crisis is averted, you now are in a position to where you can take a breath. And that relief that you feel is such a ginormous relief. It is such a beautiful feeling. I remember when we were, we were younger and our son was younger. Um, I was living in a, we were living in a pastorium. So it's basically a uh, home that the church owns. And we didn't really have neighbors, but we had people that lived with them walking distance. And we misplaced our son one day. We didn't know where he was. And that's a bad thing to misplace. And so we were like, oh, man, with just the, the angst that you feel. You know, you've probably been in a grocery store, similar. You felt, you've like, next aisle over kind of thing. You felt the worry that goes along with feeling like your child is missing. Well, we felt the angst of that, and he was gone for quite some time, and we could not find him. Well, Miss Judy, who is a member, who was a member of our church at the time, she was affectionately known as, now go with me here, as the dumb-dumb lady. Um not because of her intellect, but she always carried those dumb, dumb lollipops with her. Well, Zane had somehow, as just a little fella, he navigated his way outside of our fence, and he just made a beeline to Miss Judy's house, who again was known as the dumb, dumb lady, because he was going to get some lollipops. And finally, we thought to go over to Miss Judy's house, and sure enough, he was there. 
the relief that you feel when those things happen. So this is the case that the commentator is building, but then he goes on to parallel with Paul in the book of Romans. And he says, you know, Paul spends a lot of time talking about the wrath of God that is due to mankind. And so we realize the agitation, frustration, uh, the worry that we feel whenever we realize that we deserve, because of our sin, biblically speaking, and this is the argument that Paul lays out, we deserve the wrath of God further. This is kind of the second layer of that that only adds to the agitation and and worry and frustration. Further, we see that Paul clearly says there's, there's nothing we can do about it. So we deserve, number one, the wrath of God. Number two, there's nothing we can do about it. We feel angst. We feel this tension, this weightiness, this heaviness, if you will. But Paul doesn't leave us there. He continues to lay out the gospel. And what do we see? We see the good news being given to us. And the good news is the righteousness required for one to be made right with God is freely given as a grace gift uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. So all who by grace place their faith in him will not perish, meaning we will not absorb the wrath of God and spend an eternity apart from God. We will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. What comes emotionally, what comes with that? Relief. We feel this contentment. We feel this joy, if you will. And so I love to think about emotions in terms of that. When you think of what you have been saved from and how that makes you feel, you see Romans is a high-thinking book. Uh, it's been said that back in the day, uh, either Princeton or Harvard, I can't remember which, uh, which school used to use the book of Romans with those going through law school because uh, the argument is so well laid out that they wanted to see how Paul so masterfully walked through Romans. It's a high-thinking book, but the book is also a high feeling book meaning Paul wants us to see that when you know Christ there are feelings that you feel our faith is not based on feeling alone our feelings can lead us astray but it is a high feel book in terms of we can experience the goodness of God in our emotions we can experience that relief we can experience that peace. So look at Romans chapter 5. Look at the very first part. We're going to see the first piece of verse 1 really is key to understanding the entirety of this paragraph that we're going to read today. It says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we need to answer that question, what is justification? We've got a catechism to help us educate ourselves on this, so we're going to do this together. The question will be on the screen, what is justification? And then we're going to answer the answer together. Are you ready? Awesome. Here's the question. What is justification? Answer. Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So based on all of that, with all the feelings that we feel because we are justified, made right with God, this relief that we can, we can grab a hold of, the question we want to ask 
based on our text is what do the justified have? Our text shows us what the justified has. So let's begin. Number one, we're going to do six quick points, and then we're going to share communion together. So I promise there'll be six quick points. You can trust me today. Um, They'll be quick. So you can take notes here, but we're going to do six quick points just from verses 1 1 through 11, and then we'll have communion. Here's the first one. Peace with God. What do the justified have? Peace with God. How do we know this? Look at the second part of verse 1. We already read the first part. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. These three words may be the most powerful three words that we can feel as Christians. And that is, we can feel the peace of God. A good picture here is seen in Luke chapter 7. Jesus gives us this picture, verses 41 through 43. He says, a money lender has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said, you have judged correctly. Now, this is not a matter of who in the room has been forgiven the most. Because sometimes, this is, I think, the misnomer. Sometimes we think, well, in order for us to really feel the love of God, we, we must we must have done like all these crazy things prior to coming to Christ. And then now that we know Christ, we, uh, you know, we realize that we've been saved from all of these major things. And so, well, perhaps, perhaps you do love God deeply because you know what you've been saved from. But I submit to you that doctrinally speaking, if you've committed one single sin, this is what the Bible teaches. If you've committed one single sin, that sin in and of itself is enough to separate you from God. It's a realization problem. If you realize what you have been saved from, you will have a greater love for God. So we need to realize how egregious, how deep our sin is and how our sin has separated us from God. When we do, now we have a greater understanding of God's deep forgiveness of God's great salvation when you realize the depths of which you have been saved it's like honey to your lips when you think about the peace of God it is truly indescribable why because God has calmed your soul and now you have peace now I love what another writer says he says that this relief or this peace if you will that we feel as Christians It's different than peace that you get from stretching exercises. It's different than peace that you get from deep breathing. It's different than peace that you get from smelling essential oils. This is a peace that is rooted in something objective, and that is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Praise God for his peace. Secondly, we also see we stand in grace. Look at the first part of verse 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we, what church? Stand. So we start our relationship with God with grace. By grace, we have been saved through faith in Christ alone. But you also need to know, I need to know, that every day we wake up as followers of Christ, we stand in that same grace. How many of you need grace today to make decisions that honor Christ? How many of you have found that even as a believer, you can make some knucklehead decisions? 
And we need grace upon grace day by day. God, help me to stand in your grace. Now, because of this standing, this standing of grace, we are now sons and daughters of the Most High King. We are adopted. We are chosen. We are His. We have a new identity. And by the grace of God, we have access to God. Have you ever called on God in times of trouble? Have you ever awakened at 3 a.m., stressed out, and you call on the name of the Lord and you know He hears you? Here's why you have access to God. You are standing in his grace and that grace calls you a son and a daughter and you stand in that as a believer and you have access to God. You know, I recently was named president of the board of directors for North Carolina Baptist. Sounds really important. It's not that important. But I was recently, uh, I was recently appointed to this position and we have really important meetings. Now, I got to tell you, in the midst of these important meetings, if any of my youngins ever has a need my son, my two precious little daughters, if they ever have a need, they can come into the middle of that meeting as important as it may be. And they can say, Daddy, I need you. And I'm going to step away from that podium and I'm going to run to them and I'm going to help them as best as I can. Why? Because they have full access to me, man. Same with my beautiful bride anything you need full access why because they are mine they are mine and I love them and in my own depravity I'll I'll do everything I can to help them but we have a God who is altogether holy altogether worthy altogether good who says because you stand in grace come on somebody you have access come on this is good news this type of grace is humbling it's merciful, it's kind, and it's available to those who are in Jesus. Third, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The second part of verse 2 says we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So I got very creative, and I used the verse as the point. So that's it. Number three, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Three really important words. Number one, rejoice. That means to boast. That's the better translation there, not negatively. This is a boasting that we are confident in. This is a high degree of confidence in someone. We boast in the confidence of Christ, not ourselves. But we're grateful for the free gift of grace. We also have hope. This is not wishful thinking. This is not I wish to have the brand new truck that I've always wanted. Because I got to tell you on my behalf of things, that ain't going to happen. This is not a I hope it happens type of thing. No, this is assured expectation. We can bank on the salvation of Christ. Third word here, glory. This is where God sets all things right. He triumphs over evil. Sin has no place. And Paul says we rejoice, we boast in Christ because of this hope. It's assured expectation of the glory of God, which means one day we will be glorified and everything will be made right. No more suffering, no more heartache, no more shame, no more difficulty. It's all going to be made right. And so Paul speaks of this. Now, fourth thing we see in verses 3 and 4, we have a proper perspective. Those that are justified by faith and we experience this relief, this peace of God, we now have a proper perspective on our trials. Look at verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, for because, God, uh, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who has been given to us. So three and four there, the first part of that, talks about the trials and the tribulations that we will experience on this side of heaven. By show of hands, anyone ever experienced trials and tribulations on this side of heaven? (laughs) Welcome to humanity. We will, but you know what the word says? The word says, even though you do, you can walk in joy. You can rejoice in them, not seeking pleasure from pain, not minimizing the pain that you are experiencing, but you can find joy in them because you recognize that you are on the path to glory and there's not a thing in the world that can stop it. Isn't that good? The victory is ours. Like the old gospel hymn says, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine. You know the song? And then I love the next part. I told Satan, get way behind me because victory today is, today is mine. And that's what we need to know. So victory is ours today, not just the future hope that we have, but we can have it today in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the tribulation, in the midst of the hardship. Why? Because victory is ours in Christ. Skip Bertman, the coach for LSU, he always believed that he was supposed to win. Even when LSU was awful, he taught his team to never feel like, even when you're behind, that you're going to lose because you're meant to win. You're created to win. And he won five national championships within 10 years. Pretty amazing. But I got to tell you, in Christ, we are meant to win, and we will never lose. It'll be 10 out of 10. Come on, somebody. So praise God for this truth. This is the love of God. And I love what he says here. This love of God is poured into the believer. It's not trickled in. It is poured in. We have the love of God poured into our life. And so we think of this reality and it causes us to rejoice because we can feel how much God cares for us. The fifth thing, verses six through eight, which uh, are some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die, this is verse six, one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die, verse eight. But God shows his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love is seen deeply towards us because of our own unworthiness we were helpless the bible says we were weak the bible says but at the right time christ died for us even though we're enemies of god's God so loved us that he sent Jesus to die for us so that he could take our sin debt, all who place their trust in him. God now sees us as righteous and whole because of the finished work of Christ. He died for us, and his love is seen in that, in our own unworthiness, and it's also seen in the cost of what it took for him to give his life for us, his sacrifice. We must never forget the blood that was shed, the body that was broken, so that we could have life in him. Oh, what love is this the demonstration of this love is not even so much displayed in jesus dying it's displayed in whom jesus died for undeserving sinners like you and me we experience and this is number five god's love for us we experience god's love for us now lastly today we are saved from god's wrath we are saved from god's wrath verses 9 through 11 says this since therefore we've now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of god 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Isn't that good? We have eternal reconciliation. That means our forever home in heaven is secure. But hear this, we also have reconciliation in the here and now. Do you know if you're a believer that you never have to worry about God's wrath as far as, as, far as your sin position goes uh, and, and being know that you don't have to worry about God's wrath anymore because he has satisfied that in his son Jesus if you have placed your faith in him. Those who are in sin and will God punish and get our attention whenever we're going off track and, and, and be a loving father and show us you know, which way we should go? Absolutely, because God chastises those whom he loves. He wants us to stay on the, the path that honors him and pleases him. Will we experience some of that in this life? Yes, because God does not want us to continue in sin. So if you're a believer and you're in habitual or perpetual sin, man, I would say be very, very careful because we serve a holy, righteous God and he loves you too much to see you do that any more than a loving father would not snatch his child up if his child's trying to play with a rattlesnake. Man, that snake will kill you. And so you will snatch your child up. That may hurt the child by snatching them away, but you want to snatch them away from that snake that is so dangerous. And yes, in our walk, man, of life, sometimes we come in contact with this sin that can so damage us and, 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 and all the things, and we need to honor God in that. And a loving father will get our attention. But do we have to be concerned about the wrath of God sending us to hell if we've placed our trust and our faith in him? No, we have been reconciled, and that reconciliation is secure, and we walk in our todays in the wake of that reconciliation. And we ought to be grateful for that. Amen, church?